All right. Tonecast 109. How's Whoa. it going, everybody? 109. We're here at the shop. It's really warm uh, <laughs> in this room, but we've got uh, Zach Broyles from Mythos Pedals on the show today to talk about all sorts of really cool guitar-related stuff. Are you excited for this conversation? I'm so excited for this conversation. So, so you were gone this weekend, and I got a little mad this weekend. Um, I got a little upset about something I saw online. <laughs> Does that ever happen to you? No, no, never. never. Um, it was guitar-related, so it's completely justified to be upset about something guitar-related online. Um, it was uh, these re- reverb... Uh, I was going to say rebay. Rebay. Hey, <laughs> re- there you go. I might as well just make up a new word to combine the issue I have with both places. But um, eBay reverb guitar flippers. These guys were... Um, Jacking up prices, I would see these guitars, and they would be a certain price, and then they would be one was two thousand dollars more than they paid for it like four weeks ago, trying to flip it for some quick cash. And uh, so we're gonna make a video about that at some point, just kind of some tools and tips and tricks to watch out for people that are uh, trying to turn guitars for a lot, maybe save yourself a little bit of headache and and see if you can get a better deal from some of these sellers who are just trying to to make a few bucks. So uh, that's that's the quick disclaimer. That video uh, that we're working on should be out. Um, I don't know. We still got to fil- film the whole... We got to come up with our premise and all that yeah. stuff for it. But we've got to film that, and then we're going to release it uh, hopefully in the next uh, week or so. But uh, yeah, it's chooser time. Yeah, and it's always there's always a good resource on our website, the pickup chooser, to go and... Uh, Fill it out. You can kind of maybe identify some of the symptoms you're not happy with in your rig. Send us a picture of your amp and kind of your, you know, your pedal board stuff like that, and then we can kind of recommend out of our lineup what you think or what we think would kind of suit your needs best. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty no. There's like no commitment. We can just kind of chat about pickups and find something that works for you. And that's kind of our way of reaching reaching out. You know. Yeah. Awesome. And that's. Going to have a link to that in the show notes. And one other thing we're working on, and this video should be out when this podcast is out, is uh, we've got development going on a new Strat set, and I have been spending some time playing it and made a quick video. And we don't even have a model name. We don't even have a website description. And we're doing this a little differently. We're just going to release this video and share kind of the development process with everyone and say, like, here's what we're here's what we're working on, this is what it is, here's what it sounds like. So very very different than what we've done before, not an official release, but it, it probably will be an official release, just a, just a different order of doing things. Hopefully it's enjoyable for people to watch that. Uh, we'll include a link to that new StratSet video down below, and it'll probably be a custom shop offering, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's very cool. I've spent a lot of time over the last few days jamming out on it, and, it, and it's really nice. And, and you got... Like this little tiny window of playing it before you skip town. So uh, I'm excited to kind of get your thoughts further as as you dive into it a little bit more. But uh, yeah. it's definitely it's definitely an acceptable set, I would say. <laughs> oh yeah, there's so much variety in the in the tones, and I like that it's like it's like a knight in shining armor. But like more on that later, I guess. That's kind of I'll leave that at that cliffhanger. Yes, the cliffhanger. So go check out the link to that video below in the in the show notes and. Guess it's time to jump into this video or this video, into this interview with Zach from Mythos Pedals. All right. All 
All right, welcome to Tonecast 109. We've got Zach Broyles from Mythos Pedals. How's it going today, Zach? Good, good. How are you guys? We're good. I, I want to break format already. I just This has been on my mind. And um, I, I had this, I was telling Marco as we recorded the uh, first part of the show, we had, uh, we had this reverb eBay um, flipper thing going on this weekend where I, I found some, some cool uh, guitars that I was watching before and then they were all of a sudden $2,000 more. Um, right. So <laughs> I need an opening statement from you about uh, the reverb and eBay flippers. So how's, how's that for a welcome? <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, I, I've talked about it a lot on, on the podcast I do with Rhett. And, you know, some of it I get, but some of it is just like, man, it just rubs me the wrong way mm. it, 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 to the point of where I've, I've, I've kind of abandoned uh, even using a lot of those platforms to find stuff. So I don't know. I, it, it, people unnerve me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I was, I was watching this. It was a really cool, it was a Karina um, Sir that was, um, it was a relic kind of sunburst, really cool, kind of unique guitar with two humbuckers and it was. Uh, it went all the way down to like fourteen hundred bucks, and it sold, mm-hmm. and, I, and I missed out on it. I was like, man, that's a great deal. And then I, I see it pop up on Reverb yesterday for thirty four ninety nine. That's and, it. And I was like, man, I. I <laughs> it's got like make an offer and, and all that stuff. I'm like, well, I'd, I'd offer you fourteen hundred dollars for it, <laughs> right? And was it the, the same guitar? It was the same guitar. Yeah. Oh and, yeah, offer him that. Yeah. Say hey. I'll, I'll do that plus the tax. There you yeah, go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it's just kind of that whole thing, and I'm like, I have no problem uh, with people trying to make a buck or cover their costs. But it was, uh, man, it just it feels, it feels kind of like the used car lot thing, right? I'm like, this is this is the best guitar ever. I'm like, well, why are you selling it like three weeks later if it's the best guitar <laughs> <Yeah>. ever? <laughs> you know. So, yeah. um, I mean, we see it all the time, you know, because I'm being right next to Novo, you know, I. Every every week there'll be a guitar that I I play because it, it got finished and it goes out and then a week later, oh hey that guitar is on reverb and we're like what you know and it, it it's just people people are so finicky and every I think reverb in particular has has just turned into this wild west mm-hmm. of pricing and everyone. They think because it's priced at that, they're selling for that, so they're going to sell theirs for that. And it's you know, I don't know. The majority of this stuff is not moving for that, except maybe Klons, and that and that's a real out, strong outlier in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is weird because I think when Reverb came on, it was um, man, this is really cool. It's it's a eBay alternative that's actually built better and easier to to do exchanges or for us and like custom options within each thing. It's like oh, I want this pickup, but I want this special option and it's like we can just make a make an offer right inside there and ebay's like no you have to make a new listing and you can't do all this other stuff and so it was a weird yeah. it was kind of a weird transition but anyway super super crazy sidetrack I'm, i apologize for that but it was just something <laughs> that kind of got got to me because i really wanted one of those guitars and now it's like um i'm certainly not going to pay it with the knowledge that i have so um, yeah, it is what it is, I guess. But I'd love to kind of start off this interview um, with kind of your first uh, experience with guitar. How did you get into guitar? How did you um, kind of have a love for guitar? Kind of tell me the the origins of your your deep dive into this guitar thing. Sure. So uh, no one in my family played 
uh, guitar. Um, except I had a few uncles that, you know, kind of plunked around on, on them and I'd see him at family reunions and whatnot. But, uh, there was no guitar players in my family, but growing up, my sister played piano, took piano lessons. And then we both got into like concert and march, marching band. And when I was, I, I was, I was a freshman in high school and I'd always wanted a guitar, but, and I'd kind of like, you know, in passing told my parents like, Hey, you know, one day I'd love to play guitar. Um, but when I was a freshman in high school, there was a, like a pep rally thing. And one of the seniors, his name was, uh, Matt Sliger. Never forget it. He had a, he had a Les Paul studio in Emerald green with gold hardware, you know, pretty fancy. But he played in this like pep rally band thing and just shredded. Like he was great. And I saw him do that. And my best friend was sitting next to me and I said, I have to get a guitar. You have to get a bass and we have to start a band. Nice. And, and I was, uh, I was 14. And so for my 15th birthday, I, I coerced my father into buying me a, a guitar, a PV Raptor. Hmm. And, um, and I was kind of off to the races, but uh, I'd always loved guitar music, and both of my parents listened to a lot of guitar-centric music and and, and um, pop music and stuff that had a lot of guitar in it. So it was um, it, it was always something that was prevalent in the house, but no one ever played until until me really. Mm-hmm. So you nice. got the bug, and so I guess. Yeah you took that PV Raptor and, you know, kind of what was your first rig looking like? I mean, what was your amp and Uh-oh. pedal board situation or did you have pedals early on? Some people like wait, some people get a bunch of pedals right away. Right. So my, my only form of education when it came to guitar was the musician's friend catalog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me too. You know, so, cause this was 90, this was 99, I guess the maybe, yeah, 99. So I, um, I didn't have any friends that played um, yet, so um, I we went to the music store and they sold us the PV Raptor and I got a matching. I think it was a PV Backstage amp <laughs> and it was like new, the, like the new one. It wasn't like an older one or anything. Mm-hmm. And I had that for a while and that had you know distortion built in, uh, you know quote unquote distortion. <laughs> uh, and eventually I got a, a wah and. Um, Ooh. And then I got an Ibanez Smashbox. Yeah. And which was, I don't know. I hear people say, oh man, those are great. And I don't know, maybe <laughs> if you're playing Limp Biscuit covers. <laughs> yeah. But it uh I got that and that 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 was that was the rig for for you know a year or so. And then slowly but surely I started I, I started taking lessons and started understanding what good guitar tone like how to achieve good guitar tone like i knew what it sounded like <laughs> but i didn't know how to to do that myself um so once i got a teacher and, and made some friends who played i started to really figure out oh this is how you you know don't sound like crap <laughs> i think i think i had the uh the zoom 505 for a while and i was oh, yeah. I, I had this like grandeur of of it doing everything and now mm-hmm. there now there's more stuff that actually kind of does everything but this was like, I just was, I remember working for a long time to save up money for it and, and just being so disappointed in, in what I actually got. Oh, I had so many friends that had them. Like after I got into high school, you know, 
people say, oh, I have a, a 505 too, because that was kind of the version <laughs> that was out. They fixed everything was like, that was wrong with the oh, yeah, <laughs> version it was, one. It, was, it had more patches. Yeah. Uh, and I would play them and be like, this is awesome. But, you know, little did I know. <laughs> <laughs> I almost want to get one. Just to just to bring back some nostalgia, and I I just I can't bring myself to it. I no, yeah. Well, they sound bad. They just yeah. sound bad. And and like we are living in the golden age of guitar, like sounds. Like we can do anything. <laughs> we don't even have to have amps anymore. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Like I I I whenever I do any videos or live streams now, I'm just plugging into my Apollo and using like neural DSP plugins, and. It's it's kind of maddening because the sounds I can get are so good, and then the thousands and thousands of dollars of amps that sit behind me in my office just like never get switched on unless I really want to bother everybody I work with. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's crazy. But yeah, the the early days were you know a, a typical late nineties, early two thousands guitar player stuff that you know that all of us who grew up in that that time kind of had. So. Well, yeah, and I guess we've all come a long way. But what, even what would you say is like your uh, your desert island one one pedal, one guitar, one amp combo? I mean, you, we, oh man, we spend all this time in this world, and then we—it's funny where we just end up. You know, start playing yeah. Metallica riffs, end up playing Telecasters. You know, whatever the case may be. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I went through many like phases of my life of like what sounds I wanted because I definitely had a Metallica phase. Like <laughs> seeing the resurgence from Stranger Things oh, is, yeah. is is awesome. Because uh, it just takes me back to being, you know, a high schooler. But um, like now, my, my guitar changes pretty often. My my amp would be my two rock Bloomfield Drive, which mm. is like you don't really need a pedal, you know. If I'm yeah. being honest with that amp, uh, but I would probably take that. I'd probably take my Klon because I don't know. It would just make me feel good. I, I don't even have to turn it on. You know, it's like just plug it in. Like, look at that. Chain. Yeah. Be on the island, just like admiring it. Uh, and then uh, I, I don't know. Like I, I've gone through so many phases of guitar. Like I, I, I've been a super less Paul nut. So I have a killer R9 that's like, I don't know, for the long time I said, this is the greatest guitar I've ever touched. And now I have my Novos and those are there. So it's like, it would depend on like when I, Whatever I was taking on the plane that day before it crashed, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was funny because every time we interview someone, we ask this, this question. That everyone comes up with like extra like excuses or extra situations of like what you know. Oh well, yeah. if it was this, it would be this. I mean, maybe you got the clon on the island and and the sun shines on it just right, and you get rescued. And then you can go. Right. Then you can go back and get the other guitar. But um, yeah, I mean, I would probably take my Novo TCS, um, which the Saris TCS, because mm -hmm. I feel like all around um, it's probably the easiest guitar f for me to play. Um, but yeah, I mean that that one I think is it might be my favorite, but I don't know. It, you know, I have I have I have way too many. I have way too many <laughs> guitars. I think that's the problem. Yeah, you know, I, I'm an idiot, and every time I see something <laughs> nice, I'm like, oh, you know. Now, now that I've I found a modicum of success, I can afford the things that I've always wanted, and that's dangerous. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, and we, we're always like, well, we need to demo this kind of pickup, so we try to, you know, find that. So we we kind of have like a, a built-in justification, I guess. It's like, oh, right. I want a Tele Deluxe, but do I just want to get a Squire? Do I want to get like a 
want to go for something from the 70s and I would love to but it's like just for a pickup demo right it doesn't have to be right it doesn't have to be crazy for us but yeah let's jump into pedal conversations here I'm, I'm excited to talk a little mm-hmm. bit a little bit of pedal stuff since that is is what you do um, mm-hmm. let, let's go back to the origins again we kind of really like to to know the the way people get started with their different businesses so um, right. how did you get into pedals well I, I started like a lot of us of, of uh, in my age group by buying Brian Wampler's book, oh, which yeah. um, back when when Brian was known on the internet as the indie guitarist, <laughs> um, and his pedals were called indie guitarist, uh, he had a how to modify um, effects book, and I bought that I guess in two thousand. I, I I keep thinking it's two thousand seven, but it had to be earlier than that. So probably like two thousand five, two thousand six. Um, and I started because I'd always liked pedals, and I, you know, I'd buy and trade them, uh, and you know, whatever at any local shop. I would always every weekend I would go and look for for pedals if I had any extra money. Mm-hmm. And I bought Brian's book and started modifying stuff, and that became like my my weekend hobby when I was when I was going to school. So I would I would have a you know I buy a Boss pedal you know a nose. OS two or you know, you know blues driver whatever any random thing I could get my hands on anything that was in the book, I'd mod it, play it for like a week and then say I want to try this again with something else and I would sell it and recoup my money just enough to, you know, buy the next thing and so I did that for a while, and that slowly evolved into wanting to build my own pedal. I ha- I had a um a uh. A Dunlop fuzz face, one of the the decent ones, because like for a time they put the, the the fuzz circuit on the foot switch, and it was a really terrible design. And but it had like NKTs supposedly, and I had I had one that was built the more vintage way, and so I was playing it, and then it turned into a radio. It just the one of the trans- oh. transistors went leaky, nice, and it just became an AM radio. <laughs> So I uh, I opened it up and looked at it and I said this isn't that complicated, and I built one. I, I bought all the parts at Small Bear Electronics, which mm-hmm. if you live in the guitar do-it-yourself community at all, you probably know Small Bear. And um, I put it together and it worked. And from that point on, I got the bug. And Mythos kind of came about in two thousand two thousand ten. I wanted to. I build more because I had been building a bunch and still modding stuff for people. And I decided to give a name to it. And um, Mythos is kind of where it all ended up. And uh, being from Sparta, Tennessee, I thought, oh, this is a fitting a Greek name, you know, fitting of, you know, where I'm from. And um, that's, that's how all of that started. But that journey, it took a long time to really get going. Um, but when I actually gave it an honest try, it um, it took off in a way that I had never anticipated. I never thought when I was you know in my mid twenties I was going to be doing this professionally. I thought it would just be like some side hustle I'd enjoy for fun. And mm-hmm. now I, I do it for work, and I don't like it anymore. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. No, I, I still like it. <laughs> no, but that that's really cool, and that, that you were 
you just yeah we're constantly grinding and the first time I saw your pedal was just uh, in the hands of uh, Rob Chapman I think and the stuff mm-hmm. that the Entertains guys do and and I I just think that the name and and the branding and it just kind of worked and it seemed to just catch a lot of attention and it seemed to really kind of stand out and I don't know if that's like a a conscious decision but I know with like some of the newer pedals that I've seen like the the pedal designs seem really like intuitive or just user friendly like with the um Seuss Mariosef or even like the oh, yeah. Oracle pedal. Um, I think some of that is really cool. And I know that Seuss Mariosef, that's like on V2 now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in the early days, my whole thought was um, I'm not going to chase these people like Rob. I admired him um, mm-hmm. and, and, and Joey. And you know, I mean, Joey and I were friends, but like I just thought I'm just want I would want to be friends with these people. And if they start to like the stuff and it goes somewhere, then then great. And that's kind of how I approached it. And 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 so far as like the design and the aesthetic and and the philosophy, my it has always been like if if I wouldn't use it, I'm not gonna make it. And I'm a really boring guitar player so far as like what I like. I, I'm very much like in Joe Dirt, the guy who sells fireworks, the snakes and sparklers sort of thing. I'm just like, <laughs> I don't, you know, what it has MIDI? What is that? I don't want that. You know, so I'm I'm very um it, it needs to be intuitive and straightforward and, and to the point without like I if 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 I'm working on something and and I can find a setting that sounds like D- definitively bad, then I will go back to the drawing board and try to work that out because mm. I want everything to just work together in concert and 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 not like I, it really bothers me when things sound crappy. So uh, I try to like iron that out and just have just usable stuff that just works. So yeah, that's a that's a really cool and interesting approach. I think that's that's something that uh. I think definitely makes you stand out, and and I definitely feel that that from your from your lineup and stuff like that. But is there anything out Thank there you. that, aside from a clone, maybe that is inspiring you pedal wise right now? Oh, you know, it, it, pedals are funny because I'm I'm so nose down, like focusing on what we're doing, which you know now uh, is you know managing a team, managing production, like doing all the things you know that you have to do once your business grows. That I don't really, unless the guys uh, in the shop are watching YouTube, or I happen to catch it on on Instagram or, or YouTube myself, I don't really see a lot of things. You know, like things that are weird. Anyway, things that'll make me go like, oh, huh, I wonder how they did that. You know, I see stuff that comes out, like you know, Origin just released a new Tube Screamer with like some stuff in it, and like, okay, cool. Ah, you know, mm-hmm. like those things don't like. It takes a lot to to perk my ear. So the things that that inspire me usually are not even are not pedals or things, and 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 I rarely play them unless I have friends or someone that that says, "Hey, I'm going to send you one to try," or I just say, "Hey, you know, whatever that is you're making, I'll buy one." Because uh, I, I when I go out and about. Uh, to play guitar gear, I'm playing amps and guitars, and pedals are kind of the last thing that yeah. I'm thinking about because I, um, I just I enjoy guitars and amps more, and I always have. So, um, you know, the majority of the time when I'm thinking about pedals, it's like I'm driving in the car, or or just like mowing the yard, and just thinking about the things I would want to make that would be creative and fun, um, but. 
as far as like other things, unless I find some random old, you know, weird pedal uh, that nobody's talking about, um, it takes a lot for like, you know, a new stomp box to really make me go, I'm like, oh, I want to see, you know, if I could do something like that. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So you're not you're not driving and thinking about the flanger setting on the Zoom 505 then, is what you're saying. Not normally. <laughs> <laughs> I think, how can I make a flanger affordably? You know, those things pop into my head. Yeah. Because... <laughs> And that that's been the biggest uh, you know kick in the teeth for the past couple of years is getting the chips. But you guys know yeah, that all too well. <laughs> it's yeah, <laughs> that sort it's, of thing. it's been a, it's been a nightmare. And then trying to deal with customer expectations or lead times and where everything it mm-hmm. had kind of been uh, smooth, I guess smoother than it is now from the from the manufacturer to the end end user. Uh, now it's yeah, there's all these hoops that you got to jump through and. Thanks yeah. to thanks to Amazon, everyone wants it. You know, by the next evening after they order it or, or whatever. Yeah. So it's it's definitely a challenge. Uh, I think it's uh, we're all kind of dealing with that. Like dur- during like the first part of the the shutdowns and stuff, we interviewed a lot of people who were kind of just right in the middle of that. And, and we'll we'll kind of <laughs> get your take on some of the, some of where the gear industry sits in just a little bit. But I do want to talk about this. Um, project that we have been working on together now for sure for just a little bit so we're going to talk a little pickups and um yeah we're, we're kind of right in the middle of these things about to be uh introduced to the wild i guess you could say and uh yeah, yeah so so maybe give everyone a rundown of, of what the mythos pickups are well i i had wanted to do pickups um and i had worked with some other people in the past to kind of like try to accomplish the goals that i was was hoping to you know, set for myself, um, and nobody had ever really, you know, scratched all the the itches. And then I tried to do it myself, and then quickly realized, oh, I, <laughs> uh, I, I can't yet because I a I don't know how to, and b I don't have enough time. Uh, I, I'm I'm the kind of person that I see something and I'm like, I understand the basics of this, I can figure that out. <laughs> but my favorite Mitch Hedberg joke is, I tried to teach myself how to play guitar, but I didn't know how to play guitar, so I was a terrible teacher. And that's usually how all this stuff kind of pans out for me. Like I bought a pickup winder and all the stuff, and then I made some, and I'm like, wow, these sound terrible. <laughs> so oh, no, uh, you reached out to me uh, after I think I mentioned it on Dipped in Tone, mm-hmm. and uh, and we started brainstorming some ideas. And basically, what I wanted was my idealized version of a of a PAF style humbucker without being an outright you know clone, which I think there's some credence to that for sure, but also I like I I don't think it's worth charging extra for butyrate bobbins or or mm-hmm. you know brass screws for the for the the back plate like those sort of things. So um, what we landed on was was basically my interpretation of what a good PAF is because I've played a lot of real ones. And I think we we really nailed something that that is 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 it scratches that itch and um, uh, it, it sounds it sounds right to, to to my ears anyway. So that's that's like in a nutshell, it's it's just my idealized version of of what I think a good PAF or a classic humbug. I mean, PAF gets thrown around a lot, but a classic humbugger should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I remember early on in my. Um, my journey as a, a pickup winder, I, I ended up coming friends with this guy who was like the 
CEO of a veterans hospital. So he was very well off and he collected guitars. He was a terrible guitar player, but mm-hmm. he had everything. Like he literally had every year of the Fender Champ that it was ever made. He had this lined in the top of his office, all the little little tweed, <laughs> tweed champs. He's like, this is a, a 51 and this is a 52 or whatever the years were. And it, it's just like, he had the stuff, like he had anything and everything that you wanted to try that was vintage. And, and so I dove into early Les Pauls, uh, 335s, SGs, tried them from, from pretty much, not quite every year, but as many years as possible. I mean, there was probably 10 different guitars that I tried from the eras. And that's, that's really what, what kind of helped me develop our early PAFs and kind of gave me a lot of like, if you know, you in this process, you were telling me about some different things. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's the, that's what I heard in this. And so it was, it was nice Mm -hmm. to be able to kind of translate that into a wind and into a, a recipe, um, based on, you know, a sound that, cause I think we had a lot more mutual, um, experience with <laughs> the older yeah. stuff and and I don't really try to go clone a lot of stuff. I mean, we have so many unique designs, but um this was more of a like yeah, this is the the kind of foundation of what a humbucker is, obviously. And right. they got some things really right and they got some things wrong and they 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 got some things accidentally right <laughs> and they stumbled right. stumbled into some other stuff and and so that was kind of the foundation of of what we ended up creating and, and yeah, it was really kind of a cool process and um, excited to see where, where this line goes. I think it's really cool. Um, I know that we, uh, I know that Retschel just did a video um, mm-hmm. about kind of the, the pickups and we'll include a link to that in our show notes for those who are just hearing about the, the mythos pickups for now, but uh, maybe talk about kind of the, I know this is going to be uh, you know, permanent podcast, but maybe talk about kind of timeframes of the release or, or kind of what your plans are for the line. And it's just so people know yeah. uh, who are following it. Yeah. So, um, I, well, I, I make the mistake very often of sharing things too soon, <laughs> which gets everyone excited, which is great. But at the same time, then they're like, Hey, when are you going to drop those? Like, I don't know when, when, when I feel like, it, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like I'm finally we're finally getting caught up with all the pedal stuff. So I'm I'm might drop them tomorrow. I might put them in the newsletter. Hmm. Uh so that'll be the 29th of uh July. But um my hope is is that if they're well received and and I I assume they will be, uh then we'll do them in we'll continue to do them in batches cuz uh I feel like we've Kind of grown in in the guitar world into a pre-order culture, mm-hmm. and I don't like that. I, I used to do that, and it really stressed me out. Like sitting on people's money, mm-hmm. and then their expectations of time, and what if that time frame gets shifted? So, what I hope to do is, so you know, sell these sets, get some feedback, and then go on to the next set. If it needs a, re- a total revision, we'll change. You know. We'll tweak here or there, but otherwise, do another batch, probably a bigger batch, and uh, and this have this something that rolls out, you know, every few months if if it's if it's possible, you know, every quarter, maybe, you know, um, because this is not going to be the crux of my business. This is just me wanting to do something fun that I'm really passionate about, you know, good guitar sounds and especially good humbucker sounds. So that's kind of where I envision it because mythos always seemed to me to be something bigger than 
than a than a pedal company, and I, I want to achieve that slowly but surely uh, moving forward. That makes sense. And so, for those who are, are on your newsletter, that's going to be the best place to f- to find out when they are officially available. Yeah, I mean, I what I tend to do is. Um, I, I I'll email everyone first um, who's on the newsletter, and then I'll post on Instagram. But with we only have like ten sets, and I've had a few people try to strong arm me and to say, <laughs> "Hey, can you set one aside, set aside, you know, for me?" And so there's not going to be many of this batch, and I know that's going to disappoint a lot of people. But um, you know, they're, they're, we're going to make more. So. Yeah, you know, uh, unless that that we we I, I put this link live and then ten sit there for you know days <laughs> on end, which I don't think will happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's always like that's always hard. I mean, we we've even got like just as posts have happened, uh, we've even got a few emails. I'm like, are these going to be available for regular people? Kind of like all regular people. Yes, I know, I know. So it was it was interesting, and I, and I understand what the guy was getting at. Just kind of like, well, yeah. Rhett has one. Why why can't I buy one? Um, yeah, or, and I don't, I don't even. I honestly like. Th- there's so much content. I haven't watched all of Rhett's video. I started to, and then I was like, I got stuff to do. I got, I'll watch this later. <laughs> uh, so I haven't even watched all of it. The guys watch everything, and they tell me. So I don't even know if you mentioned that they weren't available yet, or they will be. Um, but Rhett, Rhett's really flying by the seat of his pants making videos. See, that guy is a video-making machine. He'll get an idea, and then the next day he'll say, hey, hey, it's done. Like, what? He just told me yesterday that you had this idea to yeah. record every Marshall ever made. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And that's cool. And I, and I think just for those who are, are interested, um, really fun project for us, then good collaboration, I think, and um, really – yeah, really great sound and stuff, and and fun to to be involved in this project. So just keep keep an eye on the Mythos stuff and the announcements for for these pickups, and you mm-hmm. know indirectly you're supporting what we do here at Porter, which is also great. So uh, if you're purchasing yeah. those, it's it's a win win for everyone. And so yeah, keep an eye on that, and there will be more coming down the pipeline for sure. Um, I, I want to jump into a little bit of gear industry stuff uh, now. Just kind of okay. transitioning into um, you, we were talking about parts and supplies, and and so. Kind of, uh, what would you say is the state of the gear industry now that we've uh, maybe passed the initial crazy COVID stuff? I mean, there's still some stuff happening, but um, kind of where where do you feel like the industry is at as a whole now? Man, uh, you know, I it's hard to say because every time I think, oh, it's getting it's getting better, you know, because I, I buy a lot of stuff from from huge electric. You know, electrical supply companies like Mouser and DigiKey, the same people that you know Samsung buys stuff from. You know, like mm-hmm. big companies. Um, well, maybe not Sam. They're probably buying from manu- from the direct from the manufacturer. But you get my point. Like the, the really big places. And and every time I think, oh look, it's all in stock, everything's fine. I'll place an order, and then a couple months later, I'll do it again, and then they're gone. You know, like caps or, or transistors or or even just jacks. So I I I honestly don't know. I do think over the next few years what we're gonna see, and, and I'm not trying to be a pessimist and I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but I do think that we're gonna see a lot of people, small people, who might not have the capital, who might not have um uh the the knowledge yet of how to supply big you know, like inventory of parts are going to f- go away. Um, so, if there are people that you like, you should support them. But I would, I, I think that's going to going to happen because I, I'm seeing it 
where, you know, the knobs that I use, uh, I sometimes I buy them direct from manufacturers domestically. Uh, and then sometimes I buy copies from overseas because, you know, that just makes the most sense. And recently I needed some more knobs and uh, hit up the manufacturer and said, hey, when, when could I get some of these? And they said, oh, you can get them in March. And I was like, <laughs> Next I, year, yeah. Yeah, like I, I could use some like in more like 90 days, you know, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, how, I, like I'll buy how, however many do I have to buy, 10,000? Like what do I have to do? Like, nope, March. So, um, and like we're fortunate enough to be in a spot where I can pivot you know, I can I can call the manufacturer the real knob and say, hey, you know, can I get three thousand? They're like, yeah, sure. But a lot of guys can't do that. They might not have that. That they might not be in that position. So I do think we're going to see a lot of things and small people slowly slowly shift away. But so far as like a lot of things, uh, like the the transistors are, are getting harder to find. Like normal transistors, like stuff that literally everyone uses. Are becoming harder and harder to find. All the 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 bucket brigade chips, any of the analog stuff that we all are so nutty over, those are getting harder to find. You know, I've had manufacturers just flat out tell me they they will not sell me any with no hope in sight. Which you know, wow. in the Oracle, the delay, like that's that you won't work without those chips. Uh, so I you know I don't I don't know what's going to happen. I think we're all going to have to k- learn how to pivot. And I think embrace digital, mm-hmm. embrace those sort of things because I just don't know if moving forward that these these um, analog and, and and all these devices are going to be a viable option um, or, or even available at all. Which is which is scary when you've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars developing a product line built around. Those things, mm-hmm. yeah, built around them just being available, even yeah. in, even in small quantities to fill a run, and yeah, we and we had gotten um, we'd had several issues kind of over the last few years, but um, thankfully, things like magnets and copper wire are needed for the military, so right. they have to keep making them, um, which which is you know I guess uh, I guess a benefit, and and we we do stuff here, but obviously when it comes to like plastics and and base plates and things like that. You're like, whoa, okay, that's gonna be, that's gonna be interesting. If we don't have any base plates, we can we can wind a lot of pickups, but don't have anything to put them on. <laughs> that's gonna be challenging. Right. So same same here, and and definitely always an adventure. That's for sure. Yeah, and I'm worried we're gonna see. I mean, people are already moaning about the price of everything. I mean, and, you know, as they should. You know, stuff's expensive, but I think we're just gonna see that continue to creep up and up too. Because like, let's say you can't. You know, you're the guy, the company that makes your base plates. They, you know, aren't able to deliver, and you have to go get them made for you by someone else. Like, in your in your cost is going to go up, and all that trickles down the line and hits that that consumer, which you know sucks. But that's the way it goes if you want to keep, you know, the doors open. Mm-hmm. So. And yeah, and it's like stuff is getting you know more expensive, but I think it should be expensive, and that is what is supporting kind of to to enable to be doing it again and to make it viable for for everybody to be doing this kind of stuff. But um, yeah, you know, I think you maybe recently you, I saw some like stuff at Sweetwater and JHS, mm-hmm. and so that maybe like 
So you're also like active kind of in the music industry. And I mean, what do you kind of see about like with Sweetwater? I think they're doing a really good job at trying to be like relevant and, you know, just being like the helpful guy, you know, you always hear about like their agents and they just want to want to chat, you know? Yeah. So it seems like even though maybe on the uh, production production end of things, like there's still like a ramp up on the consumer end of things. And it's like, they're still, we're still trying to make it seem like there's no, there has been no shortages or anything. And it's, I still feel like everybody's trying to keep, you know, keep going on and keep making new stuff and we got to stay relevant. Yeah, and and I think a lot of people are doing that, and, and like, uh, so I went to Sweetwater with 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 Rhett for 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 our podcast, and um, you know the they gave us a warehouse tour, which was just astonishing. Their their warehouse and their operation at Sweetwater is like it it's it's absolutely mind boggling. Um, they ship over sometimes seven hundred guitars a day, oh. a day. Like, you know, what? But they said that a lot of people think that they don't have anything. And they said, that's not true. It's all sold. By the time it gets there, it's gone. Or by the time it hits the website, somebody's bought it. And so it it kind of, it's something that they're having to work, you know, on clarifying because people just think, oh, there's never anything in stock. Why should I ever bother looking? And they said, that's not true. It's just... The industry is 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 thriving, which you know it's odd because you know it's like everything's expensive, gas, milk, everything. But yet we are still buying guitars, which is great, and I'm not complaining. But um, I just I hope that that continues to to last. Um, and and that's something that I you know I think about a lot. It's like what happens when when if if something. Goes terribly awry, and people say, "I don't need any, you know, I don't need another guitar or another pedal." And that's something that I think, like circling back to Josh, he's done really well with like his three series, and and and, and targeting a market where you can buy really great stuff at an affordable price. And we've tried to not hike our prices up, even though I see it every time I, you know, place a, an order for potentiometers or whatever. Oh, you know, they've gone up, you know, a dime or a quarter. And when you're buying tens of thousands, you know, that makes it, that's a yeah. big, that's a big bill. So. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And so, yeah, you were on, speaking of Josh and JHS, you were on the JHS show kind of uh, sharing stuff. So kind of maybe talk about that experience and oh. and how that went. Man, well, there's like, like J- JHS is crazy. I mean, like the, um, they're all amazing people. I, I love Josh. He, Josh is like one of the most um, giving uh, wealth of knowledge in the guitar pedal community, for sure, and and you know, and just a really smart business guy. He's made a lot of really good decisions over the past couple of years. But um, I think the thing about JHS that boggled my mind was how efficient they are at making content. Mm. Like their their building currently is just like a it's just a big square, <laughs> and the bottom floor is production. And the upstairs is offices, and then where they shoot everything, and everything in that room where they where they do the live streams and the episodes is geared to where you can turn a camera any direction, and there's your shot. If you need a mic, it's hanging from the ceiling, and you turn it to you know you turn the shotgun mic to where it needs to be. <laughs> or there's XLR jacks literally everywhere, and headphone connections everywhere. It's amazing, so that when they need to do something, they're just like blah 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 in the computer, and then like plug it in your in ears over here. And, you're ready to go. It's 
it's so efficient that it, it just it it it. it Here's what it made me really jealous. <laughs> ultimately, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like the promotion part of the business has to happen all the time. But then there's the management and the yeah. the people part and the dealers and the things that you have to juggle as a as a business owner, right? You're mm-hmm. you're thinking about it like the, there's certain things that keep you up at night, and it's not just the price of. Uh, resistors. <laughs> it's, it's like, right. oh, I wish I could make better videos or I wish I had more time to do this and this content. Yeah. And it's it's yeah. like, how do you build, you know, how do you build your business going forward to like address all those things, you know, in, in, in obviously uh, an expensive place to live and, and all the things like that. I mean, it's sure. kind of the kind of the plot that we all deal with as, as company owners, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And I think JHS is a shining example of like, you know, when you look at how, what their YouTube channel was a few years ago, where episode, the, the all the episodes started with like Josh like filming himself in his car, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and now it's like, I mean, they get millions of views. Like they're like they're killing it with their YouTube game. I mean, like as far as like YouTube guitar stuff, you know, that pedal show and JHS are probably two of the biggest like pedal related channels. Period. Mm-hmm. And um like that I think that has set a standard for all of us and not just in the in the pedal world, but just in the guitar world, like, oh, like that's how you build your brand is by being putting yourself out there. Cause that's what I mean, you can connect with a guitar, you can connect with a pickup, you can connect with a pedal, but you can always connect more with a person. Mm-hmm. And that is is um I think really important, and and I think something that that we're going to see uh, more and more, um, or I hope we see more and more from the guitar world, because that's something like I, I I really like getting to know the people that make the stuff I like, and you know that's going to sow the seeds of of a lifelong customer and not just a you know a one and done customer. Yeah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. And so you did mention that that podcast you have with Rhett. So we'll include a mm-hmm. link to your your podcast as well on, on the sure. bottom of the show notes so that people can go check that out if you haven't already. I believe you guys do you have both audio and video versions I, I think of most of it. Yeah, we're mainly YouTube, but we have it on um, we have it on Spotify and all the places, we always get people saying, "Oh, why aren't you on my my podcast thing?" Like, I don't, I, I don't know how to work all this stuff. <laughs> There's not a checkbox. <laughs> but I'm sorry, you just got to listen to it on Apple or or, yeah. or on Spotify. Exactly. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of for us. We're like, hey, whatever we can kind of figure out techie wise to submit it to that's the platforms it's going to show up on because there's yeah. there's a new platform every day and and it's like. 16,000 steps to uh, get it submitted. So um, that oh, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it is what it is, I guess, when, when it I, comes to that. I went to our, we, we, we host our podcast on Anchor, which is Spotify's thing. And I went to it the other day and clicked, there's like a link button on our profile. I was like, huh, I wonder what that is. And I clicked it and it was a broken link to our old like host. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> why, why did, why is this there? So yeah, it's uh, people, I think, they tend to forget whenever you do these sort of things that you like, like Red and I still have businesses we have to deal with. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, like, I get a lot of messages like, "Hey, why isn't the new episode of the podcast up?" It's like, oh, because I just, <laughs> I just haven't had any moment to breathe. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. you know, I went to the bathroom once today, and that wasn't nearly enough. Like, I don't have time <laughs> to even do this. Yeah, it's yeah, that's always interesting. It's like that pressure to keep the content going, and um, yeah, yeah, I kind of want to close out the the show here, but. Uh, Kind of reverse interview. If you have questions for us, I'd love love to uh, have you ask that. Marco is kind of our head of production in the shop, and and obviously I'm here as well to answer questions. So, anything that you uh, would like to ask us? Well, what what are your guys' quintessential recorded guitar tones? Like, if you had to pick, like, I mean, I know it's hard to pick one, but like, oh, can you pick? Can you both pick a fave that like kind of Represents you as a player or or a, a music a guitar lover. Mm. You want to go first, Marco? Yeah. Okay. That's first of all, that's like a huge question. Um, yeah. Because it's like I started out. You know, we talked about the Stranger Things and Metallica and and but like some of those tones, like you just you almost heard the intensity more than like the guitar tone, and you listen to maybe like and Justice for All, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's that's a cool tone, but. You know, it's whatever. But to me, it's more these players that had, that could do a lot with like maybe singular notes or even, you know, I used to never like single coils and now I'm like single coil crazy. Um, right. But one that comes to mind is just like John Frusciante and, you know, he puts down amazing stuff live and, or I mean, like yeah. recorded, but live, if you look at any of his like solo, like people will do mashups of some of his greatest solos. And like every time I watch those, I'm just so like, you know, he's just like it's just a strat that he's playing through, and maybe he's got a bunch of other pedals, but he just like mm-hmm. really, it's his his attack and his intensity that really like pushes that out. And he's just like the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, there's I love watching guitar players, and it just like it's almost like I'm just trying to watch and seeing like what techniques I can like gleam off of what what I see from you know somebody playing. I'm like, oh, that was cool. I wouldn't have never tried to do that, and I'll just try and like catalog it. But um, right. when he does it, I'm just like, well, I can see what he's doing, but I, I can't, you know, it just, how he does it is so cool. And and I guess I'm looking for, you know, those are the sounds that really move me. And some songs he's got like three guitar solos on and you wouldn't, they're so good. You don't even know that they're going on, you know? So, right. so mm-hmm. stuff like that, I've, I've really been appreciative of, but I've been listening to a lot of like jazz and like horn stuff. So that, sure. that almost is what has been inspiring me and and I feel like that works its way into my guitar tone tastes too. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it, I feel like I, I've had an interesting journey as far as like guitar tone and I've never <laughs> been happy with the guitar tone that I've recorded. I'm always like, what was I thinking? Right. So <laughs> that's good. Yeah. And Marco's kind of our uh, master of surprise when it comes to music in the shop. So we've got uh-huh. kind of our main production bay and I never know what's gonna what's <laughs> gonna happen. Um, it's like got to get a big order out, so we're listening to speed metal yeah. and yeah. You know, or whatever it is. And Let's it's like, go. but then it's like super jazzy, mellow acoustic stuff one day, and I'm like, it's it's almost like I get really excited to to come into work and see what Marco's playlist is going to be like <laughs> on any given day. So, we, oh man, it's it, that's very fun uh, for me. It would be um, just the one thing that came to mind is like um, Riviera Paradise, Stevie Ray. Um, the clean, just the cleanest strat tone with like just just ever so slightly a little bit of hair on it. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe just I'm sure that that amp was, uh, you know, in probably a twin reverb or something like that that was like on the edge of exploding volume when they recorded that. 
but just I wonder. <laughs> just the control and the um, just the pristine clean sound, I think has always been the the thing that I'm like, wow, that is that is guitar tone, and that's kind of that's what got me into this whole mess to begin with. I think I heard that song, and then I heard his version of Little Little Wing at the mm-hmm. same kind of the same within the same week, and I was like. You know, my mind was literally like exploded from the inside out, and I was like, "That—that's guitar. That's—that's that's the tone." Like, if I ever under, understood tone, I was like, "That's it." And so that's kind of, um, to me, it's just that that clean strat straight into a, a big, massive tube amp um, is, right. is hard to beat. Are you guys still like chasing those those sounds? Like in like, as far as like with your own guitar gear journey. Yeah, um, what's funny is I, I should make a video on this. I keep threatening to, but so I bought a sun, Sunburst Strat from Musician's Friend in 98, mm-hmm. and that was kind of my first, uh, I would say, real guitar. I did have a, similar to you, I had a PV Predator and the PV, nice. PV Bandit. It was like their version of the Strat Pack. Uh, yep, when, yep. <laughs> and, I, and I had to convince my mom to spend like 389 or whatever it was for both of them. Um, <laughs> but I bought that, that uh, Sunburst Strat used in... 98, and then shortly after, I got a, a early 90s um, Blues Deluxe, like a Tweed Blues Deluxe, mm-hmm. and just love that amp. And that that actual, the same amp came back like after 20 years um, within the last couple of months. Uh, a friend had it, and he brought it back, and he's like, do you want this? And I was like, uh, yeah. So my <laughs> and, and there was a DS1 in the back, which was my first <laughs> distortion pedal. Uh, so my oh, old my old rig literally returned this year, and I'm just like my mind is blown. So um, that that's I've been spending a lot of time with that amp, honestly. And um, it, I was nervous to play it because I'm like, this was like early punk kid Brian. Uh, like, did I was it really as good as I thought it was? And I sold it way too early. I, I sold it for like a Mesa Tremo Verb or something like that. I'm kind of getting into right. a goofy rock phase for a little bit. So, um, but it came back and I was like, okay, this sounds, this sounds awesome. And I was like, I was like nervous for my former self, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, is it going to be, is it going to be good or is it going to suck? And, and I got it right. back and I'm like, man, this is incredible. And, and so that's been, that's been sort of inspiring me lately, I guess. Right. Marco, what about you? Are you still chasing that for Shante sort of tone or you what like what like what is where does your guitar journey what what looks what's the road ahead look like for you? I see and it's so it's so that like grass is always greener on the other side. You like get to where you're like, yeah, this I found it. I found it. I found the spot. You get into the practice space, the amps are dialed in just right cuz I run two amps when I when I have the pleasure of, you know, and privilege oh. to do so. It's now why? Two, no. <laughs> two. it's just better than one. Uh, <laughs> Um, and so I'm like, I found it perfect tone. And then, you know, I'll go somewhere else or even I'll do, I'll do nothing different. And then I, then I just don't hear it the same way. So I'm mm-hmm. convinced that there's just this, um, there's some, something that psychs ourselves out of our tone, but like you, we both, where we all know when your tone is like on it, it like inspires you and it's like, you're playing like twice as good. So it's like, yeah. we're almost just like casting our fishing poles out there and hoping to you know, land on a good tone. And, and I'm sure there's like some technical explanation for that, but you know, I, I feel like I get to yeah. the good spot and then I'm like, Oh, well actually this could be different. And then, you know, I'll do a lot of like seven string guitar stuff. And then, but also I just like to play six string stuff and I'll play bass and four string and five. So there's like <laughs> several like tones, you know, like tone starting points that I have, but they're always easily tweaked. And I think that's just so that I can, 
um, feel good about them because I, I can never seem to settle. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're, yeah. Mar- Marco's like gear tastes like are almost intimidating for me because he'll go and be like, okay, he's, on, he's got two couple different bands and he plays bass in one and guitar in another and he's always kind of constantly tweaking and adjusting his rig. And I was like, man, I, I'm like kind of jealous because you're like way more deep into the guitar weeds than I am. But it's also like fascinating to me because I'm looking at, at his stuff and I'm like, wow, that's really cool how you put this together and this together. And, and, and I'm just like, Give me a strat and a tube, a tube amp, and I'm pretty good. <laughs> you yeah, know, right. I'm, I'm very like, for the most part, bare bones. I mean, I do play like a fractal FM3 uh, for just kind of the digital stuff that sounds fantastic. So I kind of, I kind of stay in a couple lanes, and I don't really venture out all that much. Yeah, sure. And it's like it's fun having all that stuff, but it is ultimately like a rat's nest to me. And and <laughs> I I do love just plugging into the amp. I recently have started getting to like circuit like amp circuit stuff and have been able to put together like a little champ i call it a champion because it eats champions for <laughs> champs for breakfast but and i've loved nice. just being able to plug right into that thing and and i love not having to like find a nine volt adapter and find another cable and you just plug it in and go and if you can get some some grit out of the amp then then it's better but a, a good tube amp like really makes the clean sound so beautiful so yeah i it's funny, like for as many pedals as I, I have, I typically will use maybe one. I might have a delay uh, or an overdrive, and I plug in usually direct. Like whenever I'm just playing guitar, because I have I have the two rock, and then uh, well, that's like you know the the go to amp, and then I have a Soldano, which uh, the SLO thirty, which has become like the shop favorite mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. uh, because it. It's a fire breather, but also like the over like the low gain stuff is like really good, um, and the master volume works well, so I don't kill everybody. But then I also have one <laughs> of the PRS um, uh, Hendrix amps. I have a fifty watt HX fifty. I think it's HDRX now mm. um, with a four by twelve. And when I got that, everyone in the building, both our suite and then the Novo suite. I mean, Novo has both suites. <laughs> But like the guys over in their suite, like on the far back wall, through all the concrete, they're like, "Oh yeah, we can like hear you playing his day, and it sounds awesome." <laughs> it's like, "Oh great!" <laughs> but man, like I'm, I'm very much. I, I. It's funny. Like I hardly ever, if I have a pedal board, it's mainly for like doing, um, like a trade show sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually will just throw. I'll have like an open like a. a small like pedal train with like a, a power supply underneath with just all the cords coming out mm-hmm. and I'll just like throw things on the floor as an, as I want it but I never have anything permanent which is, yeah. is very ironic never permanent it is no. so so many things are subject to change to to change in the rig so it's yeah just got to deal yeah, with it and to touch on what you were saying earlier like things changing every day or like you know one day it's great next day it's the same setting it's horrible i genuinely think that we all should, when that happens, um, we should buy like a brown box or one of those things that can measure the wall voltage. Mm-hmm. Because I sincerely think that the voltage coming out of the wall has that big of an impact on yeah. on your sound. Mm-hmm. Even for modern amps, I totally do. Mm-hmm. So, but that's just nerdy Zach talk for <laughs> sure. <laughs> but then, but then that could maybe prevent you from going down a rabbit hole, right? It maybe prevent yeah. you from buying something stupid and <laughs> throwing it on a credit well, credit card or whatever. 
Right. And I mean, like those things, like the brown box, um, I mean, most people use them for vintage amps. But if you know, like, oh, my amp sounds really good at 120, like all the time, 120, you can always have it be set to the same voltage. And you know that if it's sounding bad, that it's you. <laughs> so. it's, it's always us. I mean, we just, we, uh, so yeah. kind of like come, a metronome. We come up with really right. bad, bad reasons to justify gear purchases. And, and even Mark and, Marco and I kind of enable each other in the shop. And we, we oh, kind of, yeah. we've kind of been on a Les Paul Jr. kick for a little bit. Like, oh, we got to get one. And then you go down, Man. you go down this path and you're like, well, do I want a cheap one? Do I want it? nice one do i want to make like get a kit and just build one, the one the way i want to and, and then yeah. by the time you're ready to make a decision you've got 16 options sure but, well man i just to add fuel to that fire well, i think you one of those appreciate new, that. those new uh, eastmans like <laughs> mm. the, the single little single cuts yeah have you guys seen those i've heard they're fantastic i've got i've got an eastman yeah. acoustic and a 335 and they're amazing Dude. That little Les Paul Jr. looking thing, I thought, eh, you know, it's probably fine. And uh, I played one like a few weeks ago, and I was, I just hung my head because I said, there's no reason this guitar should be this good. Mm-hmm. And it's not that expensive. I mean, it's like, you know, I feel like they're kind of expensive for an import guitar, but all of them are now, but it's, it's so good. Yeah. And it, I don't know. I kind of, I'd like, I don't know. I have a love hate relationship with Gibson, but we can we can we can end that there. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I'm with you. Then the Eastman stuff is great. I mean, I had a I had a friend that had a, it's basically kind of a a Martin Dread copy Rosewood, and um, it was one of the best sounding acoustics I've heard in as long as I can remember. And he, he yeah. got he got it used for seven hundred bucks, and yeah. it's just insane. So it's uh, there's that that part of the industry that's kind of. Uh, improving shall we say and and really beyond expectations i think which is cool well and i mean like i see all that too and think i just need to step my game up you know because especially with pedals there's so many cheap pedals and like some of them sound great and you know i i don't want to be embarrassed out there so you know like i gotta make sure that uh the 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 Eighty dollar pedal that someone bought on Amazon isn't whipping the you know two hundred three hundred dollar things mm-hmm. that you know that we're churning out. So that's like something that I think all of us are having to be very conscious of, or or um, you know rethink things like that. So that makes sense. Well, that was great to have you on the show today, Zach. Thanks for yeah. thanks for uh, hanging out, talking guitar with us a little bit. And again, for those listening, we'll include links for the the rep video on those Mythos pickups, as well as links to the Mythos site. You have probably already heard of them, but if you haven't and you're following our podcast, um, you need to check them out. They've got some really fantastic pedals and available at a lot of different dealers. And um, you know, if you follow Zach's stuff, you will get into the weeds on some some cool Novo guitars and all sorts of things that um, Zach's kind of involved with. He's he's basically, I can say this confidently, that he's uh, one of the bigger nerds out there uh, in, the, <laughs> in the guitar world. Uh, so, yeah. and, and I can say that, and, and he's not offended by that. He's, no. <laughs> so um, check Zach's stuff out. Um, yeah, we thank you guys for listening to episode 109 of the Tonecast.